Welcome to The Property Wizard. If you are brand new to the real estate investment world or have limited experience, you've come to the right place. Freddie Crouch has over 35 years of real estate investing experience. He's seen it all and he's ready to share it with you. This podcast takes an inside look at investing in real estate, what to look for, and most of all, how to move forward. Please welcome the property wizard, Freddie. Hello, listeners. A big thank you to the team at Carl Speaks, headed up by no other than Mr. Podcast himself, Carl Richards. We would especially like to acknowledge and thank our producer, Kieran Doherty. Without him, we just wouldn't sound as good as we like to think we do. And supporting this awesome duo are Nathan Simon, who created the original sound score, and Caroline Nikolai, who every episode supplies us with new cover artwork. Thank you, everyone, for the wonderful effort. What a great team we have going for us, don't we, Bernie? Absolutely, Freddie. Everyone loves talking about real estate. Start a conversation at any social gathering about real estate, and you are sure to attract an audience. Why? Well, for starters, more generational wealth has been created through the purchase and investment of real estate than by any other means. And we'll speak on that point a little later in the podcast. So why not join the conversation? Everyone is looking for an opportunity. I'm here to discuss with you the core essentials and strategies that will help you succeed. My name is Fred Crouch, and along with my co-host, Bernie Franzgrote, say hi, Bernie. Hey, folks will be your host. For over 35 years, I've been buying, renovating, and developing property and showing people, just like our guest Bernie, who you'll find out a little more about a little later, how to successfully invest and create real wealth through the not-so-magical world of real estate. This podcast is specifically tailored for those with little or no real estate investment experience. Have a question about investment real estate? Send us an email. And Bernie, where should they send that email to? Oh, Freddie, funny you should mention that. It should be going to info at gentryres.com. That's I-N-F-O at G-E-N-T-R-Y-R-E-S dot com. Thank you, Bernie. Let's keep it interesting, but light, make it informative, and at the same time, have some fun. So let's meet Bernie. Bernie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, Freddie, I spent uh, 36 years working in a healthcare institution and the last 20 of it in the business development group. And in that space, I'm involved with leases, seeing either the uh, landlord and or the tenant. I also ran a, an apartment hotel at one of the campuses, and that was pretty successful. We generated a, a fair bit of money. And in that whole process, it was the best on-the-job training experience anybody could ask for. Just it was great. Just really great. Learned a lot. Uh, that's where we crossed paths. Yeah, for sure. And that speaks to the old adage I'm fond of saying that experience is the best teacher. We're really happy to have you on board, Bernie. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Freddie. So, Donald Bren, Stephen Ross, Sun Hogbin, Neil Bloom, Leonard Stern, Edward Roski, and the John Sobrato family. Do any of these names ring a bell to you, Bernie? Any of them? Some of them do. Some are a little more low-key, but yeah. These are folks that appear on the Forbes 400. They are a few of the 24 real estate billionaires that appear on that list. And to most of our listeners, you may have never, ever have heard their name. Now, if I were to mention Dale Carnegie, the Rockefeller family, 
or the Doheny's. Would you have a better idea? Do you have a feeling about who these people were? They're in the cultural uh, lexicon. Yep, for sure. Now, these are folks, these are industrialists that made their really fortunes in the late 19th and early 20th century. They also had massive real estate holdings. And these folks, in part, owed part of their generational wealth, their incredible wealth, to the purchase and investment of real estate. Now, make no qualms about it. These were extremely well-known industrialists. And to most anyone, these names are their household icons. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the real estate investment landscape has changed. The investors have changed. The profiles of the investors have changed. And it's not that we're suggesting in this show that everybody should become a Donald Bren, who, by the way, is considered probably one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest, real estate investor with a net worth of $16.2 billion, who calls Newport Beach, California home. We want to speak to our listeners. We want to speak to those people that have had any type of interest in investing in real estate, because we maintain that even the smallest real estate investment can make a huge difference to you, not just immediately, but down the road. Because what a lot of people don't look at is the longer term. Everyone watches these shows on TV and thinks the quick flip is the way to make money in real estate. I'm not suggesting that that opportunity doesn't exist. But for the vast majority of listeners and real estate investors out there, that's not the reality. We're strong advocates for buying a single family home if that's where you are in life. But we're also strong advocates for taking your single family home and maybe renting a room, maybe making an in-law suite in the basement and using that extra income to pay down your mortgage and increase your equity. Even the smallest investment, even if you were to buy a townhouse, most anywhere, if you were to buy it and hold it, that value of that townhouse will increase exponentially and also supply you with income down the road. And believe you me, I speak from experience where 20 years may seem like a long time, but Bernie, I don't know about you, but it's kind of flown by. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for our listeners out there, A, it's never too late to start. B, even the littlest, the smallest investment in real estate can pay incredible dividends. And not just for the immediate future where there may be you know, tax advantages to your purchase, where there may be some immediate cash flow advantages to your purchase, but down the road where maybe you're ready for retirement. And that singular purchase will set you up for a very healthy retirement future. So keep that in mind. It's wonderful. And I think a lot of our listeners and with our past experiences, a lot of our investors are and have massive portfolios. And that's wonderful. You know, we applaud that success. But there are listeners out there who just, for whatever reason, are quite comfortable with a single purchase. And to those people, we say, good for you, because a small step today will mean a giant leap for you down the pipeline. So that's kind of where we're at with this. Do you have anything to add to that, Bernie? You're stepping into the business world, and there are certain benefits that come out of conducting business where you get tax breaks and so forth. Also, it provides a secondary stream of income. So if you're working Monday to Friday, 
and you have this on the side, then it's a side business, but you don't have to sit on top of it every day and nurture it like a, like a um, gardener would have to tend a garden. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we're going to talk about how to maintain and develop your real estate investments, how to build a team around you, the things to look for, the team members that you're dealing with. We're going to talk all about that later on in the show. But what's important to understand And probably the one thing that separates real estate investment from any other type of investment is something we call leverage. And what leverage is? Well, let me give you a definition of what leverage is, and we'll get into it a little later. Leverage allows you to borrow against the value of an asset while retaining the benefit of appreciation over the asset in its entirety. So, What does that mean in plain English? Well, let me give you a real life example. Let's say you were to buy a million dollar property, Bernie. And in this particular circumstance, you had $100,000 to put down. So let's say you've owned that property, you bought it, you've owned the property for a year. And over the course of that year, local real estate values have increased the value of that property by a very moderate 3%. So 3% of a million dollars is $30,000. So you have an asset that you bought at a million is now worth a million $30,000. Now, the great thing about this is that you receive the benefit of that appreciation on the entire million dollars, not just your $100,000. If it was just your $100,000, 3% weight to $3,000. So what you're doing is you're borrowing the vast proportion of the purchase price. And what you're realizing is appreciation on the entire value of that asset. That's called leverage. It is very difficult, if not impossible, to have that type of ability or return on most any other asset, period. That's what it is. Do you have a handle on that, Bernie? Yeah. So basically, you're using other people's money to help build up your net worth. You have to pay it back. It's not free. But at the same time, it's like they're leveraging you and you're leveraging them. And you're both at the same time building up wealth. Yeah. So that's the key to leverage. That's exactly what it is. That's what really differentiates real estate investing from just about any other form of investing, if not all other forms of investing. And further to your point, the income from the tenancies from the purchase of that building actually goes towards the payment of debt or your original financing. For instance, remember I said it was a million-dollar purchase and you had a $900,000 mortgage, you had $100,000 in equity on purchase. So every time the tenants pay you rent and you pay down your mortgage through monthly mortgage payments or biweekly, whatever you choose, it creates equity through the pay down of the principal balance of your mortgage. Now, who and where else are you going to find a scenario where someone else is paying and creating or increasing the equity in any type of investment for you. Where? Can you think of any? Not off top, no. No. So at the end of the day, these are two very key components. What makes real estate such an attractive investment is leverage. Again, I'm going to repeat the definition for our listeners. Leverage allows you to borrow against the value of an asset while retaining the benefit of appreciation over the asset in its entirety. And again, further to the point that Bernie had made, the income from your tenancies pays for your debt, for the mortgage, and creates equity through the pay down of the principal balance of your mortgage. It's a win-win situation for the real estate investor. And really, on the surface, it sounds easy. And the knowledge is out there, and we're here to provide you with the knowledge. It can be easy. 
And that's exactly what we're going to do. Give you the knowledge to succeed in the incredible world of real estate investing. You have anything to add to that, Bernie? Freddie, I think you also have a course that if, if people are interested, they can sign up for at uh, gentrylearning.com. It's all one word, G-E-N-T-R-Y, L-E-R-N-I-N-G.com. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, if the truth was known, that's the reason and the genesis for the podcast. You know, we have a successful online course. We thought we'd like to reach out and have more listeners and more participation with the course. And I think it was your suggestion, Bernie, that, you know, let's try a podcast. So here we are, episode one, and we're well on our way. Yeah, so let's just talk a little further about, you know, what I touched on a little before. You know, why real estate is a good part of any investment portfolio. And again, there's all sorts of reasons, you know, very much like what we spoke to and about earlier. There's, you know, the leverage it can provide you and the income generation that it can provide you, not just currently, but in the future. And there's something called natural appreciation, which natural appreciation is what we refer to as the natural appreciation of an asset. Real estate, as most of our listeners are aware, is a naturally appreciating asset. Now, there's reasons for that, primarily supply and demand. Add to that the fact that some of the most desirable areas or places to invest in real estate are heavily developed. And, you know, at the end of the day, Bernie, you know, people say invest in real estate. They're not making any more of it. It's true. You know, so those areas that are essentially built up and are probably in the most desirable of areas are seeing constant appreciation because they're constantly in demand. Again, it's supply and demand, supply and demand where there's demand, but little supply, at the end of the day, that asset's going to appreciate. So you need to keep that in mind. The income generation is very much like we spoke of before. And that coupled again, with just rounding things up with leverage really provides us with a number of attractive reasons why you should be considering an investment in real estate. Now, we spoke about natural appreciation. There's something else that we'll speak of and to a little later. It's called forced appreciation. And what is forced appreciation? That's where you take a property that we sometimes refer to as being distressed. That's where there are a number of different opportunities available to a real estate investor. And by a distressed property, what we're referencing is a property that for whatever reason isn't achieving its maximum return for the property owner. And that could be for a number of reasons. Can you think of any, Bernie, that you think might apply? A shift in the type of commercial business. If it's a commercial business, there's been a shift in that. Pandemics have been known to cause a bit of a pressure. Or your client base, if it's a brick and mortar location, your client base has moved. But I suspect residential is always going to be the hot button topic. Yeah. So... At the end of the day, a distressed property could be one that's fallen into disrepair. Maybe it's not tenanted for maybe one of the reasons Bernie has just given us. It could be that it has poor financing on it. Maybe the original investor entered into a fantastic original, you know, maybe five-year term at a much reduced interest rate. And all of a sudden they're faced with a situation where the interest rate has climbed two, three percentage points. And things are maybe not, you know, there isn't that positive cash flow that they had before. But that all goes and speaks to, you know, you make your money when you buy the property, not necessarily when you sell it. So we don't want to overpay for the asset either. So it can also be a property 
where there's maybe some physical obsolescence. Maybe you're buying a small office building or structure. Maybe there are newer buildings in the neighborhood or the area that have elevators up to the third or fourth floor. Maybe yours doesn't. Maybe this newer building or you know the buildings in your neighborhood, or rather maybe the building you have doesn't have access to high-speed internet. Now, I know that's a rarity in today's world, but there are older properties, buildings that are just not outfitted with high-speed internet service. And I believe, Bernie, you and I worked on a project where that was a real serious concern, where they actually had to bring in outside consultants to try to outfit the building and the space that was being occupied for high-speed internet. The pipe, so to speak, has to be big enough and fast enough. And that might also have a correlation to power, you know, electrical power, if if you're living in a factory. Those are all reasons why a building might be, you know, physically obsolete, functionally obsolete. But the number one reason why these buildings fall into disrepair in the first place is lack of professional management. Now, I'm not suggesting everybody run out and hire a CPM to manage their properties. What I'm saying is that even a smaller landlord can can benefit from maybe professional management or educating themselves as to how to properly manage a building. That is the number one reason why properties fall into distress. It's lack of management. It doesn't have to be professional, but just lack of management, period, which speaks to lack of experience. So when it comes to your assets, you want to make sure, even for the interim, that you've got the right team around you. So, make sense to you, Bernie? Absolutely. A person shouldn't feel that they are by themselves wandering the dark woods of real estate, as opposed to you can do it as you form your tribe around you. And it brings you the success. So not everybody's an accountant and not everybody's an electrician. That's absolutely true. And that kind of, again, speaks to this whole team concept that I know we're both a strong advocate of. Before you even set foot into the world of real estate investing, it's important to have the right people surrounding you, the the right professionals, have the right support mechanism. And I know we have a podcast plan to speak specifically to just that point, but can you think of a couple of people you may want on that team, Bernie? A realtor, especially if you're shopping for a space, they'll be more in the know of what's going on, aid trends, and also if you're looking for a certain client base, where the ideal pickings will be, where the demographics are. The other piece would be your property maintenance crew, depending on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. If things get out of hand, you can't run and be everywhere with a mop and plunger to you know doing environmental assessments before you buy so you don't end up yeah that's a good one yeah getting that's a, a surprise really one. yeah so these are all folks you know lawyers accountants you know general maintenance personnel these are all people that you should have as part of your team because you know it doesn't matter how large your portfolio even if it's your own home at the end of the day you may at some point in time need the services of a professional, especially if you move on and get multiple units. You know, real estate can become a full-time job if you let it, but chances are for most of our listeners, leaving your current position or job to become a professional real estate manager is and should not be the initial goal. That may be something that you might want to consider down the road when you're closer to retirement, but for most individuals, remember how we started the podcast. A small investment in real estate today can make a huge difference to you, to your retirement outlook, and to your family years down the road. 
What you need to do is actually do it. And again, we're here to help you do that. Just a very, very short story. I want to tell you how obtainable this is. I had occasion to meet a gentleman, a very well-known real estate investor, who was the largest private landlord in his geographic area. And I thought, wow, what kind of backstory do you have? This person was a Greek immigrant who came over to Canada and opened up a hair salon. That's what he did. That's how he started. And what he did was buy the building his hair salon was located in. And from there, several years later, he bought another. Then he bought another and he kept on going. So this individual with very little formal education turned around and made himself, at the time, one of the wealthiest real estate investors in his area, and quite an expansive area. So it is obtainable. It is possible for all of you. What you need to do is take that first step, really. And again, it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're renting a room in your house, renting the basement, maybe buy a townhouse, maybe buy a secondary home. It doesn't matter. You know, the returns are what the returns are. And I know, Bernie, you and I, before we started, we were talking about this. But I just want to quote to you some four-year returns on real estate. And we're going to talk about Toronto because everybody likes talking about Toronto. So from 2000 to 2004, the average price of a home in Toronto in that four-year period increased 30%. Wow. 30%, Bernie. Wow. So if you take that example I gave you earlier about the million-dollar property, Mm -hmm. you apply 30% to that. That's no longer $30,000. That's $300,000. Now, these are all factual. This is not pie in the sky. I pulled these figures out of the air. That's the reality of the situation. So let's take a look at the next four-year period. In 2008, the four-year return on that investment, 21%. Let's take it another four years. In 2012, the four-year return on that investment, 31%. And let's go another four years, four-year return, 25%. So what do you think, Bernie? Do you think that investment was worthwhile? And this is not someone going and redeveloping a property. We're not even talking about a distressed or forced appreciation scenario. We're just talking about natural appreciation. I think those returns are pretty amazing, wouldn't you? I don't see the bank ever in my savings account or RRSPs or whatever form of investment. It's usually around anywhere from one to maybe, if you're lucky, 5%. And they usually they lock it. You know, the higher that percentage, they lock it. You can't access those funds. That's so, so true. You know, I can't emphasize enough how real estate can and should be part of any investment portfolio. And again, we're not necessarily speaking. We're not suggesting that everyone is cut out to own 100 doors or 100 buildings. If that's the direction you're heading in, wonderful, beautiful. Congratulations for making that decision. But to most of our listeners, buying even a single property will just make like an incredible amount of difference to you in retirement. It'll make a huge amount of difference to your family members. Remember, it's not just for you in the immediate world. It's potentially for generations. And this is where we get the term generational wealth. What do you think of that, Bernie? 
I think, I think that's the long-ranging planning, which is a good thing to do for yourself and your family. And, you know, if you have no family, then, you know, back into the community. You can always share that wealth in that space. I'm also thinking with the, the whole process that you're actually, it reinforces the buy local, you support local. And if it's housing, you're doing residential, then you're actually supporting and helping people find an affordable place to live. Yeah, you know, sometimes investors, landlords are given really the short end of the stick. I mean, what's lost to a lot of individuals is the fact that property investment is an important part of our social fabric. A property investor is going to rent or lease their property to those in the rental market, period. Now, could you imagine if all of a sudden there were no properties available to rent or lease? I don't know too many existing municipalities anywhere anywhere in the world for that matter, where there isn't a need for rental accommodation. You know, and remember, real estate isn't necessarily for everybody, but there is a certain degree of social conscious that's involved in, you know, the purchase of investment real estate. I know it doesn't appear like that. Most people have the impression that, you know, only greedy individuals, greedy landlords rule that roost, but that's not necessarily the case. You can still turn around, buy real estate, have a social conscience and provide, you know, as you said, you know, local accommodation for those people in your neighborhood. There's nothing wrong with that. So get over the idea that being a landlord is a bad thing. It isn't. As a matter of fact, it's something that's born of necessity. So, you know, with that in mind, I really have to emphasize that, you know, real estate investing, it can be safe. It's possible for everyone. And it's not as difficult as you might think. And if you become a regular listener to this podcast, we have a whole series of guests that are going to share what they know and the tricks of the trade that they've developed when it comes to real estate investing. You're bound to learn a lot. You have anything to add to that, Bernie? Actually, I do. You also have an investors club. So again, if you're putting your feet in the water, trying to figure out, you know, is this what I want? An investors club is a good place to start. It doesn't mean you have to come in with a bag full of money and plop it down, but you now get to meet a group of people, start building your circle. And at the same time, you're going, okay, now I'm understanding. If so, if you have questions, you can talk to people. And in fact, you can even offer access to your course. That's true. Yeah. So we do have an investment club. You can access it by visiting our website. When you become a member of the investment club, there's actually some savings to be had on the online courses that we provide. At the end of the day, I believe that this podcast will prove itself to be a great use of your time if you have any interest in investing in real estate. Again, it's not meant to be an over-the-top type of show. It's meant to give you some very real advice on the world of real estate investing. So with that, we'd like to sign off. And thank you very much for listening to our first episode. Hopefully, you've learned something. Stay tuned for our next episode when we talk about what kind of investor you are. And remember that if there are no problems, Bernie... There are no opportunities. I want to add in there, Freddie, that if someone is looking to find your website, the Investors Club, it's at gentryres.com, G-E-N-T-R-Y-R-E-S.com. If you have a question for Freddie, it's info at gentryres.com, I-N-F-O at G-E-N-T-R-Y-R-E-S.com.
Thank you for that, Bernie. I'd be lost without you. So until next podcast, take care, everyone. Thanks for joining Freddie on another edition of The Property Wizard. Got a question? Ready to invest? Email info at gentryres.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the courses offered through Gentry Learning, visit gentryres.com. Until next time, remember, if there are no problems, there are no opportunities. Oh,